Let us all turn together to the Word of God. And from what you've heard already, you know that we're going to read from the book of Psalms. Psalm 12. Begins with a prayer. And that's helpful to us because on every occasion as we start ourselves to read God's Word, let us remember that cardinal rule. Begin, begin with prayer. And this is a lovely prayer because it suits you and me, suits you and me exceedingly well. We need help, don't we? Sometimes we need help physically because our, our bodies suffer infirmity, maybe. But we certainly need help spiritually. And it's a great text for January to go forward with the Lord, with something like this in mind. May the Lord bless the reading and then the preaching of his holy word on this portion of scripture. Let's look at it and even pray over every line. That's a good practice. Pray over every line as you read. So here we are, Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, Lord. Where the godly man ceases, where the faithful fall, feel from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one, with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart, they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said, With our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Praise the Lord for the reading of the Holy Scriptures. We know the Lord will draw near today even with our meditation on these things. If you have your Bible with you again, Psalm 12, verse number 1, the first part of the verse is a prayer, and the psalmist David simply prays, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful feel from among the children of men. And then a, a parallel verse in Isaiah 57, just to read it for you. 
Isaiah 57, 1, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. God will bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together and ask the Lord and invite the Lord to speak to your hearts. It's an important word this morning and we want the presence and the speaking voice of God. So let's pray to that end. Father in heaven, we thank thee, Lord, for thy word. And Lord, as we have had the word of God read and as we come now to consider it together, we pray, O Father, that thou wilt send the Holy Spirit and grant, O God, today that thou wilt speak clearly into every heart and into every life. Lord, we need thee more than we're even aware of or conscious of. We pray, therefore, Father, that thou wilt have mercy and graciously and tenderly speak to us. Give us ears to hear and give us hearts to respond to the Word of God today. Grant the infilling of the Holy Spirit, preacher and hearer alike. And Lord, may we leave this place this morning knowing that God has met with us. Hear and answer prayer. We ask it with thanksgiving in the Savior's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Over the last year, 2023, uh, quite a number of notable saints in our land were called home, uh, called to be with the Lord. Some of you might have been familiar with Maud Kells, a great stalwart missionary who certainly did a tremendous work for God. She was called home. Sid Murray was a great evangelist and saw many wander the Savior and just at the end of last year again was called home. Bob McAllister was another great missionary who did a tremendous work for God. Bob McAllister was called home. And maybe most notably of all, Bill Woods, who was certainly a, a tremendous force for God in Brazil. A great man of God, again, called home and right up until a few weeks of his home calling, still so active and so busy and so bright and so zealous for God. Just a few that were called home from this province of ours. And then in other parts of the world, great men and women of God were called home as well. Think of Clarence Sexton of the Crown College and the, the, the great work that he has done as well. And then locally, in her own congregation as well, some over recent years who did a tremendous work for God in this church and in this locality and had a wonderful testimony were called home. Even in the week running up to Christmas, we think of people like Iris Chapman and others who have gone on before over the years and great saints of God who loved God, who loved God's people, who loved God's Word, who loved the place of prayer, who loved the house of God, have been promoted to higher service. And while we are extremely thankful for their lives, sometimes it is deeply concerning that their seats are left empty. And we oftentimes have to wonder, who is going to take up the mantle? Who is going to lift the baton? Who's going to take up the ropes that have been left now hanging? 
and the great challenge is today, will you and I fill their shoes and enter into the void and enter into the vacancy? The reality is that if their places are not taken and their seats are left empty, we will have a generation like the generation spoken of in the book of Judges. There arose another generation who knew not the Lord. I believe today that the psalmist David took these realities to heart in his own day and generation. He says in Psalm 12, in verse number 1, by way of prayer, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. And here's a prayer this morning that every single Christian today can take to heart and can take to the throne of grace and re-echo. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. I believe today it's vital, it's critical that God's people learn how to pray and certainly pray prayers like this. This is a prayer. Isaiah 57 is a similar verse, a parallel verse. And Isaiah 57, 1 is simply a statement of fact. The righteous perisheth, no man left it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. And the fact today that godly men and women are being called home, and in so many ways their seats are left empty, perhaps is an indicator that Northern Ireland is in trouble with Almighty God. I don't really have a title for this sermon this morning. Just want to look at this text as it is. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. But maybe if we were going to give this subject a title this morning, it might be a nation in crisis. Because maybe that's just what David felt the nation of Israel was in, a crisis. Because saints of God were being called home. And there were very few to take their places. I have to be honest and say that this verse, this prayer, has been in my mind for a number of months now, turning it over and over in my mind and heart. And I trust today that it will come as a burden to your heart as well. The first thing that I want you to notice is very simple, and it is a startling reality. David points out here a startling reality. The godly man ceaseth. God's servant David dealt in realities, and we need to deal in realities this morning as well. So often we can be like the proverbial ostrich and bury our head in the sand and hope that present realities will just dissipate and go away. But David was a man who took reality to heart. And in this verse and in our world today, there's a startling reality. And that reality is that the godly man ceaseth. We could say that it is a present reality. The word ceaseth there comes from a root verb, <coughs> which means to come to an end, to end. And really what David is saying is that the godly man seems to be coming to an end. And godliness in the nation of Israel seems, as David sees it, to be coming a thing of the past, holiness of life. Godliness, purity, Christ-likeness seems to be 
something that is coming to an end. David equates godliness to faithfulness. The godly man ceaseth. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Isaiah 57 speaks about the righteous man. The righteous perisheth. And Isaiah equates righteousness to mercy. Merciful men are taken away. And so it's really speaking of one and the same people. Godly men, faithful men, righteous men, merciful men and women as well. They are feeling from among the children of men. And if that is the case, what are we left with in their place? We are left with ungodliness, unfaithfulness, unrighteousness, and individuals perhaps that are unmerciful. And as David unfolds his thoughts in the psalm, he, he unfolds this truth. If the godly man ceaseth, and the faithful feel from the children of men, what are we left with? Well, in verse 4 he says we're left with people who speak vanity. The word vanity means emptiness or insincerity. They speak insincere, empty, vain words, everyone with his neighbor, flattering lips, a double heart. It goes on to speak in verse 5 about the oppression of the poor and the sighing of the needy. Dear friends, today we need to really take to heart the role that Christian people have in this world of ours. Whether you're called to be a, active in the work of God by way of preaching and missionary endeavor or evangelism, or whether your calling is to be a, a godly parent or a godly work colleague or a godly neighbor, and to labor quietly uh, and consistently, every single one of us today, if we're saved, Jesus Christ said, ye are the salt of the earth and ye are the light of the world. Salt primarily in Bible times, was a preservative as well as a seasoning. And whenever salt is taken away, that preserving influence is removed and society begins to corrupt. Whenever light is removed, darkness begins to prevail. And so you see how important it is for any nation and for any society to have godly people in it preserving influences that preserve truth and righteousness and faithfulness and mercy and godliness and also bringing the light of the gospel to bear. I believe David is indicating that this is a present reality, but it's also a potential reality. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. And the word ceaseth there is in a continuous sense they have ceased. And tragically, there's a, a, a continuing on of the trend. The, the godly man ceaseth. And I believe that David is really praying before God and saying, Lord, if this trend continues as it is at the present rate, what will the, the outcome be? And as we look at our society today, we can already note that this land of ours certainly seems to be in trouble. Think about the last 10 years. Think about the last five years and some of the laws that have been implemented in our land and nation. Whether it's the redefinition of marriage, whether it's 
abortion rights, whether it's the rise of transgenderism and redefining of gender and the changing of gender and adding to the two genders that are real, many more, or RSE being brought into our schools and into our colleges, people that want to do outreach, give out gospel tracts or share the gospel in a, in a public arena in Belfast now have to apply for a license and the state will dictate undoubtedly what can or can't be said. And it seems that godliness and light and salt are being removed out of our society. Twenty years from now, if the trend continues, what state will our nation be in? Proverbs 29, 2 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What about our churches? Twenty years from now, what state will our churches be in? If you look at the demographic of most evangelical Bible-believing churches, they, many of them are dominated by people perhaps over the age of 60 or over the age of 70, some over the age of 80. I can think of many of our churches and their office bearers are men all into their 70s. Sunday school teachers, many of them are older people. People who attend the prayer meeting by and large are older saints. And I often wonder in five or 10 or 20 years, what state will the evangelical church be in? Will there be a Sunday night meeting? Will there be a prayer meeting? Will there be an outreach team? Will there be an outreach to children? Will there be an outreach in the locality? Friends, the signs of vital life are burning low in the church of Jesus Christ in this world of ours, in this land of ours. A startling reality. Consider as well a solemn recognition. David recognizes this. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. The faithful feel from the children of men. Isaiah 57, 1, speaking of the same problem, the prophet Isaiah says, No man layeth it to heart. What he means by that is that nobody seems to take the burden of God's Word and the burden of reality and weigh it in their hearts and bring it to God in prayer. Nobody really wants to lay it to heart or bear this burden. But dear friends, David did. David bore this burden in his heart. He made a solemn recognition. Some people are too busy with their own lives to think really about the work of God and the cause of God and the furtherance of the gospel and the souls of men and the state of society or most of all the glory of God. Dear friends, do you ever lay it to heart? Do we ever lay it to heart individually? We think about saints that have been promoted to glory and they have gone home to be with the Lord and their, their seats presently are empty. Do we ever lay it to heart? I just heard last week about a couple of halls in East Belfast that were once well filled and now they have closed their doors. Witnesses and testimonies for Christ and their doors are closing. At a funeral service last year, a, a lady sat down beside me and she belonged to one of the main denominations. And she said to me, do you have an evening service in your church? And I said, well, yes, we do. And she says, funny, since COVID, our evening service has never started again. 
And many people are saying the same thing, that they, the Sunday night gospel meeting is becoming a thing of the past in many churches. And some churches that maybe have several hundred on a Sunday morning only have 20 or 30 faithful few in the evening. During the week of prayer, our moderator was calling us to pray about the need in our Bible college. And there are 10 students presently in our Bible college. And friends, that's not all that many. Five of them will be graduating this year, which leaves only five. And there are no students entering in this September. That's a solemn reality. And there are other Bible colleges, evangelical Bible colleges in Britain, that are fast having to think about closing their doors. Look at a past generation in Britain where you had great missionaries going out into all corners of the earth. Think of England, the land of Whitfield, the land of Wesley. Scotland, the land of Knox and Livingstone and McShane. And the great reformers and the covenanters and the Puritan movement in England and the evangelicalism that was so, so real in, in Britain. And we think of mainland England today. Can you think of any spiritual giants in England, Scotland or Wales? Or even anybody in Ulster that's seeing a tremendous work accomplished for Christ and done for God? What about Christian parents that have family altars? Pray with and pray for their children. It's fast becoming a thing of the past. It was said, I remember somebody saying, whenever Leonard Ravenhill went to be with the Lord, I think it was about 1990 or 1991, his wife was really broken at the funeral service and somebody came to her and they says, well, you know, you shouldn't be so emotional. Your husband's gone to be with the Lord. He's in the presence of the Savior and she says, that's not why I'm so emotional today. She says, I'm weeping because my husband was a man of prayer. And I know how much time he spent before God praying and interceding for this nation of ours. And now his prayers have ended and that's why I'm so emotional and there's nobody to take his place. You know, it's easy to harp on about the past and speak about the good old days and look back with rose-tinted glasses. But friends, this, I believe, is a, a startling reality. The godly man ceaseth. David makes a solemn recognition. But what is the spiritual reason? Why is, is this happening? Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. Well, there's certainly a natural aspect to the whole thing. The days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they're four score years. On average, that's the, the lifespan of a, of a human being. And naturally, people pass on. We cannot and do not and will not live in this world as we are forever. And one generation rises and another goes. And there's the natural aspect of the whole thing. Godly men and women go to be with the Savior. Praise God they do. But the challenge is that they're not being replaced. That's what David is saying. Remember Dr. Paisley, somebody said, was once asked uh, when evangelicalism really began to cease in Ulster as it once was. And he, he made a remarkable reply. He said, I believe it was during the psalm. Whenever hundreds and thousands of young men in their late teens and early twenties went off to the psalm 
and were cut down in the prime of life. Went off to fight in the First World War. Thousands of young men from Ulster, if you go down to Hilden and you see the, the war memorial there, there's dozens and dozens of names of young men from that area that maybe grew up in Hilden and worked in, the, in Barber Threads Mill that went off to fight in the First World War and were cut down. 1914 to 1918, young men in their teens and early 20s, which would indicate that many of them were born maybe in 1880s, 1890s. And you think of their parents and their grandparents who were probably really experienced in revival and experienced the 1859 revival, and there was a generation that were born out of that generation, and hundreds and thousands of them cut down in the First World War, and then the stream of vital Christianity was greatly hindered at that time, and godly men cradled in the gospel, brought up in the, the Word of God, brought up in God's house, that knew the gospel, many of them cut down. It's a solemn truth. Natural aspect of the whole thing. But I believe as well there's a supernatural aspect as well. Why aren't they being replaced? I believe maybe it's an indicator of judgment in our land. One of God's means of judgment in a nation is by removing the candlestick, the instrument that bears the light. In Revelation chapter 2, you read about the church at Ephesus, and God calls the church to repent of their sin and their coldness of heart and their backsliding. And he says, if you do not repent, I will come quickly and remove the candlestick the instrument that bears the light. And in that part of Asia Minor today, those seven churches have all ceased. Maybe because of a failure to repent. And then in our own lives as well, there are things that can so easily choke the seed of the Word of God. Remember the parable of the sower? Some fell by the wayside, some fell on stony ground, some fell among thorns that sprung up and for a little while appeared to be fruitful, but then the thorns around it choked the good seed, and it became unfruitful. And the Lord says that the thorns represent the cares of this life, the pursuit of wealth, and the lust of other things, choking the Word of God. And maybe in our own lives we have allowed things to choke the Word of God, and strangle the speaking voice of God in our hearts and lives so God's Word becomes unfruitful. And we read it and we sit under it, but it never really takes deep root in our lives because we have allowed thorns and other things to grow up so quickly. Isaiah says that merciful men are taken away from the evil that is to come. And that sounds like a very pessimistic outview in society from the prophet Isaiah. But Isaiah realizes hard and difficult days are ahead, especially if this trend continues. Verse 8 of Psalm 12 says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest of men are exalted. If we don't see godly men and women raised up, what sort of leaders are we going to have in our nation? What sort of parents are we going to have in society? What sort of judges are we going to have in our courts? What sort of lawmakers are we going to have in the corridors of power? What sort of teachers are we going to have in our schools? What sort of men are we going to have in our churches? I believe David here points out a startling reality. 
He also indicates a solemn recognition. He also hints at a spiritual reason. But David as well points out a sovereign remedy. Help, Lord. David recognizes that only God is able to meet the need in the day and generation. David was a man after God's own heart. That is true. But David recognizes, I cannot make others to have a heart for God. He's a man after God's own heart, a man with the fire of God in his soul, a man who wants to walk with God, but he recognizes before God's throne, I cannot make others want God. And so, Lord, you alone have the answer. The remedy for the problem, for the crisis is God. Help, Lord. David is not looking to men. David is looking to God and to God alone. He recognizes that it is God who makes men, men that are born left to themselves, without grace will not grow up to be godly men. Women will not grow up to be godly women, left to themselves and their own thoughts, desires, and devices. This is God's work. Remember the prophet Ezekiel was carried out in the Spirit of God to behold a valley that was full of bones. And God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? These whole bones of the, the house of Israel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, O Lord God, thou knowest. He's saying, O Lord God, you have the answer. And I believe David is saying the same thing. Lord, you have the answer. You are the answer, Lord. Yes, we must pray and preach the Word and do whatever we can do, but only God can make men. I believe that this nation's greatest need, this church's greatest need, is to have godly men and godly women who know God. E.M. Bounds once said, the great need is not to have our churches filled with men, but men and women in our churches filled with God. And so David makes a, 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 a realization that the sovereign remedy is God. But notice as well a sincere request. He says, help Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. David is laying hold upon God. This is a prayer, it's a plea, it's a cry unto God. Beloved this morning, our nation is at a crisis hour, I believe. None of us know what the future holds. And none of us know what will happen if, if governments get up and running and get their own way. Pray for the righteous that are in authority. Pray for Christians in schools. Pray for Christians in local government. Pray for believers who are walking with God in society, that God will bless them and use them and strengthen them and encourage them. It's very easy to call them out and to try to castigate them and cast them down. But I tell you, it's bound to be difficult for Christian headmasters and Christian school teachers and Christian headmistresses and Christian counselors and Christian leaders to take a stand for God because more and more now they're in the minority. And David here is praying. And the Bible says pray for all that are in authority. And pray that God will sustain them. And pray that God will raise up more. Where will we be in 10 years' time if God does not intervene? Where will we be? A sincere request. God is able to raise up godly men. Remember John the Baptist? 
And he looked at the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were, by and large, a bunch of apostates, and he says to them, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He knew that with God, nothing is impossible. And if God isn't going to use you and you're not going to get real with God, God can raise up others. Even the very stones can cry out unto God. Let us pray as Rachel prayed. Give me children or I die. Let us pray as Isaiah prayed. Rend the heavens, God, and come down. We need godly men and women in our churches in our society, men who love God and men who live for God. You know, if you go back a generation or two into England, there were godly people in almost every aspect of society. I'm sure you enjoy a bit of chocolate the same as I do. Mr. Cadbury was a very godly man. One of his main competitors was round trees. You know, every Christmas we used to get, remember those old uh, selection packs? Like a, Santa, like a stocking with a netted cover, and you got a Cadbury's one and a Round Trees run, and the chocolate bars were so much bigger and so much wider and so much thicker, and you, you, they seemed to be tastier sometimes as well. Cadbury's and Round Trees were Christian men. Lyle's golden syrup, Lyle was a godly man. Quaker Oats, Quaker was a Christian company. Kraft is one of the largest food conglomerates in the world. John L. Kraft was a, a Christian man. Michael Faraday, one of England's great scientists, was a, a Christian man. Eric Liddell, one of the great sportsmen of his day, was a Christian man. Some of the great authors, Daniel Defoe, Robert Louis Stevenson, were Christian men. Lord Kelvin was a, a Christian man. And it seems that in society there were Christians in so many areas of society, and even locally, so many godly people in society. Some of the great mills around this town, Stuarts and Barber Threads, men that respected God, men that honored God's Word, men that had Christian values and Christian principles. I was speaking to one of our ministers recently, and he said one of the largest uh, funeral services in his church last year very large church building. He says there were hundreds and hundreds of people that came to it. And the man that died was just a godly man. He says he wasn't a preacher. He says you wouldn't have really heard his voice much in the prayer meeting. But everybody that knew him knew that he was a man of God. Sometimes whenever he worked in the factory, he would clock out and then somebody he would see needed help. And he would stay on for several hours unpaid helping out a colleague in work because he had Christian principles. This man said to me, where are people like that going to come from? Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. One last thought, and we're finished. Consider, if you will, a searching response. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. What is our response today to such a text of Scripture? Well, as you look at David, David responds with faith. Verse number 5 God says, I will arise. David believes in revival. He believes that God will come with healing in his wing. David is responding in faith. It says as well in verse number five that God will set his people in safety. I will set him in safety. David maybe feels very much alone. And he's deeply concerned about the state of his society. But David is responding with prayer and with faith that God will come. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, 
it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But what a challenge it is for us. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. Faithful feel from among the children of men. The righteous perish. Merciful men are taken away. But what will your response be this morning? Will it be, Lord, I will endeavor to be that godly man. I will endeavor to be that godly woman. I will be that godly young person. Lord, I will take up the reins in prayer. There's a saint called home. There's another saint shut in, laid to one side. Their seat's empty in the place of prayer. But Lord, I'm going to enter in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to consecrate my life. I'm going to endeavor to be that person that will stand up and be salt and light in society. Mr. Ravenhill once said, whenever we look at the darkness, we can do one of two things. We can curse the darkness or we can light a candle. And so many today can look back at the good old days and curse the darkness and say, well, it wasn't like that in my day. It wasn't like that in my generation. And look at the state of our world, look at the state of society, and sit back and just curse the darkness. Or else we can light a candle, and we can shine for Jesus Christ, and pray and seek the infilling of the Spirit of God, and commit ourselves to God's work, and honor God, and walk with God, and light a candle in society. Robert Murray McShane is a young Christian in his early 20s, made that his prayer, Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a sinner saved by grace this side of heaven to be. Can I appeal today to your young people? You know, I, I, I'm, I made a lot of mistakes in life, I admit it. But one thing that I'm glad I did as a young Christian was get alongside some of the old saints of God. Many of them that sat in the wooden hut and prayed and had the, the wonderful privilege of listening to them pray and sitting at their feet and hearing them pray and listening to them talk. What a testimony they had. Young people today in our church, get alongside some of the older saints. Talk to them and listen to them and learn from them. Listen to them pray, watch their example, and endeavor to be a godly young person yourself. Our nation today needs godly pastors, godly preachers, godly politicians, godly parents, godly peers, and godly people in society. What will be our response? Lord, by the grace of God, I will be that woman. I will be that man. I will be that young person. May God bless his word to your hearts this morning.